Welcome to All Ears Senior Living Success, where we talk with industry leaders to make sure you find success in your community. My name is Matt Riders, and I'm the co-founder of Eversound, a company dedicated to improving quality of life for older adults by giving them the gift of hearing. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Riders coming to you from a lobby in downtown Chicago, and I'm going to do a lot of reflection. And one of the things that I was thinking about was how, you know, over the past, gosh, four years, we've learned a lot about dementia and how that affects a person. So I've been reflecting back on a chat that I had with my, my good friend, Mike Belleville before the pandemic and gosh, fall of 2019 before, before some of this learning uh, that we had at Eversound. And I want to share this interview with you. He talks about what it's like getting diagnosed with dementia and all the lucid thoughts that he had during this discovery phase. And also how he's thriving with it. You know, he talks about get busy living versus get busy dying from, uh, you know, the classic movie. But I think there's a lot of really great learnings in here. And, you know, I think you and I hope you can learn as much from this conversation with Mike that uh, I learned, too. So enjoy and uh, see you on the other side. Hi, everyone. It's Matt from Eversound. I'm here with my good friend, Mike Belleville, who was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia at the age of 52. Um, I've gotten to know Mike pretty well over these last six months, and you've really changed my perspective on, you know, what it means on, on living with dementia and thriving with dementia. And, you know, your story has touched myself and, and so many people out there that I feel like we just want to share that with the world. And, you know, I want to ask you the vague and open-ended question of, uh, you know, Mike, what's, what's your story? Well, thanks, first of all, for having me here. And I'm, and I'm flattered that, um, that you feel that way. Mm. Uh, basically, um, my story started before I was 52. Um, my background is in telecommunications, working for a really, really large company. Um, and I was one of the senior guys in, in my group. I was actually one of two trainers, hired training, new hires coming in. And I could multitask with the best of them. You know, two screens going, blah, blah here, blah, blah there. And, and you could bounce from A to B. And you had to with this job. It, you had to. Um, very critical thinking. Uh, really, very small rule for mistakes. I mean, you could take down big corporations. You know, they kind of frown on that. So no one's that happening. So, but anyways, I only say that to lead into um, what was starting to happen at work was my job performance started to go down, and I was having a harder and harder time um, multitasking and getting through my schedule and getting through things that I used to be able to do like nothing. Um, things I could do in seconds or minutes were taking me longer and longer to do, and I actually found myself on a few occasions going to people I had trained, asking them on how to do something. So that was a little, little eye-opening, and, and it, it kind of became a joke at work because, you know, believe it or not, I was one of the oldest guys in my group, so I was like, oh, Mike's been late, he's in the yard, know, all that kind of stuff. But we didn't really think anything of it. Yeah. Um, and ironically, my symptoms, you know, you look back now, but my symptoms were really showing up at work more than they were at home. Um, so we really didn't think a whole lot of it, um, until, um, my personality started changing with it. And so I was so stressed from, and from working and, 
exhausted, brain exhausted by the time I got home that, you know, I could snap like, mm. like nothing. And that wasn't me. That's not the person I, I was. Yeah. And it, it started to get worse and worse and worse. So, but everybody, uh, and, and this of course occurs over a period of time. And we actually started seeing a neurologist uh, about it. And like the typical, what I'm finding out now, is the typical response from most doctors is, oh, it's stress. You know, you're yeah. stressed out, so you need to, you know, blah, blah, blah. The catch-all. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, if I remember, he actually put me on a medication. Um, and then he says, well, you need to go see the psychiatrist or a psychologist. So we did that. And again, things are getting better. Yeah. Then he says, well, maybe it's Lyme disease. So we go get tested for Lyme disease, not Lyme disease. Now, keeping in mind, all this stuff takes time. Right. But everybody has an aha moment. What I, I like to think they do, uh, people that get this diagnosis. And I had mentioned, you know, getting home and not having much energy or, you know, my... I call it going zero to 60. You know, you hit a light switch and I'm gone. Yeah. And uh, there was one night that, uh, as married couples do, Cheryl and I got into a disagreement. But what made this one different was the next morning I woke up and had no recollection of the conversation. And so... What ended up happening is I woke up getting the cold shoulder from Cheryl, and I was like, "What? What is your problem?" Which ticked her off even more. Yeah. Um, because she thought I was just trying to blow it off. So, I when she thought I was sincere about it, and she started telling me some of the things we talked about and some of the things I said to her, things I would never dream of saying. Um, I'll be honest with you, I was. I mean, I had tears coming down my cheek because I was like, I don't remember. I was scared. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember this, and I can't believe I would have said those things. So that, again, prompted another call to the neurologist, and we told us, listen, this isn't stress. This isn't whatever you think it is. There's something else going on. So that's when he started really looking at, um, without us knowing it, you know, potentially, you know, some type of dementia yeah. or something in the brain, I should say. Okay. So that led to more tests, yeah. uh, spinal taps and MRIs and PET scans and neuropsychological exams and until ultimately for whatever time frame it took, it took a while, uh, he sat us down in the office and said, well, everything points to, at that time, uh, he told me it was younger onset Alzheimer's. So that's when I was 52. Wow. So. And, and how did life change? It, it changed dramatically. Um, uh, at the time we got the diagnosis, I was actually out of work on short-term disability because I couldn't do my job. Mm -hmm. But I told Cheryl and I told my doctor, I says, I want to go back to work. I want to work for as long as I can because the first thing that popped in my mind is I need to do whatever I need to do to provide for Cheryl, yeah. you know, for the future. So I went back to work, but that's all I did. I worked, I came home, I slept. It took so much out of me just to get through the day. I had nothing left when I got home. I, I pulled out of all, pretty much all the activities I was involved with. I was 
I was the vice chair of my school committee in the town I lived in. I was on our town's capital improvement committee. I was on our town's uh, treasurer of our town's democratic committee. Um, you know, so I was in, involved. Yeah. Um, and raising three kids. Raising, to... Yeah. Well, by then the, the girls were gone. Our okay. son was still home. He was, uh, I think he was just going into high school. Okay. Um, but, you know, I wanted to do what I thought I had to do. And for the first five or six months, I went into a really deep depression. Yeah. I was depressed to begin with, but I went into a real deep depression. And it wasn't until Cheryl started playing Dr. Google, you know, she started looking up things on the internet because, you know, she was like, we're not going to keep doing this. Yeah. And she said, you know, enough is enough. But um, she probably said it differently, but, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with that. But uh, but she found uh, our local Alzheimer's Association okay. chapter here in Walt at the time they were in Watertown. Called them up. That led to a care consultation. That led to me going to support groups, where I got to meet other people living with the same diagnosis. Yeah, as well as some of their education programs and training programs and things that they had, and it changed my life. Yeah. It really, really did. It just, it made me realize that I wasn't alone. It it helped, you know, just sitting in the room for the first time, listening to everybody talk and listening to the struggles they were going through. I was like, I'm not going crazy because yeah. I really thought I was going crazy. Mm -hmm. But the, you develop such a bond and camaraderie with, with you know, with the people you meet. Um, there's... It, I, it's hard to explain, yeah. but the I left that room that day knowing I wasn't alone. Yeah. That was and that was the most important thing. Um, but from doing that and the other things that the association had, it made me realize that I can still be the person I was before the diagnosis. I can still learn new things. I can try to you know do some of the things I used to do. Uh, it just may take me longer to do them. But the most important thing I learned is that I have a voice. I still have a voice. Yeah. And hopefully for as long as I can, I plan on using it to try to help other people, hopefully to avoid going through what I went through. That's awesome. And I know you, know, you talked about the, the association. Are there any other groups that you've been involved with? To just oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one group that I'm heavily involved with right now is called Dementia Action Line. Yeah. And I, I tell people the Alzheimer's Association saved my life. Okay. Obviously not in a literal sense, but they really saved me okay. of who I was at that time. But I also tell people DAA are the ones who gave me purpose back in my life. Mm. They're the ones who gave me something to be engaged in, it's something to do. I knew at the time I wanted to do something. Like I said, I used to volunteer a lot before, but I didn't know what to plug into. Yeah. I didn't know what it was I wanted to do. And through DAA, it's just been, it's been a ride and a, a, a darn good ride. I mean, this thing that's amazing about DAA is that everything they do is is centered on a person living with dementia, any form of dementia. They have an advisory board that is made up of just people living with dementia. 
And you're on that board. And I'm on that advisory board. I'm also on their board of directors. There's, I think, two of us living with dementia who are on their board. Yeah. Um, but they have all kinds of things that they're engaged and involved with. We, we started uh, two podcasts now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them's just a little about a year old. Another one's a year and a half old. And um, I actually do all the video production stuff for the podcast. Awesome. So at the end again, I I always loved doing those kinds of things, but I really didn't know how. So I said, "Well, let's give it a whirl." So yeah. I got Final Cut Pro and just started doing it and learning as I go along. And I what I've learned to do is I have certain things saved on Google. Okay. You know, because from week to week or show to show, I'm like, "How did I do that?" Or so right back to Google <laughs> and just okay, this is how you do it step by step. So okay, I right, get follow a recipe yeah it's like cooking yeah you know what i'm saying i never cooked before either but now i cook at home can't use the stove with shells at home for for obvious and reasons but um but it's like following a recipe so it's just you know i go to google or or i'll google how do i do this and again something that might take somebody else 10 minutes to do might take me an hour or two hours and i may have to stop and take a break just because my brain can't you know, stay focused that long. Yeah. But I don't let it stop me from not doing it sure. or getting it done. You know, I, I'm under, for the most part, I'm, it's not like I'm under a, a time crunch where, oh, you got to get this ready out and, you know, I'm power. No, I, I give myself plenty of time to, to do it and get it done. But that's just some of the things they do. They have, um, they have all these different groups and committees. I'm on their, technology committee of course i just got invited to be on their arts group committee um you're an avid photographer right? i love photography yeah. love photography um um what other groups do they have they have a optimizing well-being committee and again every single one of these committees are made up of people not just people most of them they definitely all have people living with dementia on mm-hmm. them but also people who volunteer their time from the outside who may specialize in that particular area. So you're engaging with people all the time. Um, they have uh, what they call a speaker's bureau. Okay. So if a particular organization is looking to have someone, a person living with dementia speaking for them, they'll coordinate that okay. whole thing. They have another thing they call on the mark, where if a company might be looking to do some uh, research or something or product development that they want to get involved with in the area of dementia, they'll contact DAA and DAA will say, yep, well, I've got this person and this person. And we actually, we do everything remotely online. It's all done through Zoom. Okay. So we'll actually get together and work with particular companies. Um, I just worked with one, you know, that for a product that just got released recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really a lot of fun to do. Um, so, it, again, the, the most important thing they do is they keep as much as as much as possible as they keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, um, the most important prescription a doctor can give a patient with dementia is social engagement. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm not going to say it's not a pill because of course you need pills, you need medication. Right. Um, and I honestly believe the ones that I've been taking have been helping dramatically. That's great. Um, but 
there's just something about staying, staying socially engaged, being active, having a purpose, you know, in life again, mm-hmm. you know, when I thought I was useless, um, that just, I, I really believe it has a lot to do with how well I'm doing right now. Right. And you mentioned DAA, you know, giving you that purpose and it sounds like you're more involved now than, than ever. And, uh, I'm curious of when you find time to sleep nowadays, uh, like what, what do you find? Cause it sounds like you're doing a lot of awesome things, but what do you find like actually like gives you that purpose today? Great question. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, right now, just staying engaged with DAA, being involved in the things that they, that I'm involved with, with them. Um, you know, we have meetings every month. Um, just staying connected in that way. Um, we have two different podcasts, and I do all the video production for those. It's awesome. So, and again, giving me something engaged, active to do. Um, and but what the biggest thing is is hope, and it, it does happen from time to time. Um, is I'll get somebody will reach out, or I'll be connected to somebody who's been recently diagnosed. Mm. And my biggest goal is just to reach that person who's been diagnosed, who thinks that it's over. You know, it just, there's nothing left to do. And it's nothing could be further from the truth. Well, um, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that really are exciting me right now. One of them is um, I'm just starting to develop a website. Awesome. And it's going to be called reinventure.com, R-E-Inventure. Dot com. The whole purpose of the website is t- for people who are living with dementia, who are living well with dementia, is to send me in whatever content they want to send. It could be in the form of pictures, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, somebody having a blast with their grandkids, or they went on vacation, awesome. or a video, a good friend, Lori, who loves to jump out of planes, or oh. or do Paris, or whatever it's mean. God bless her. I mean, I was in the air guard for 12 years, and you'd never catch me jumping out of one. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, she, her and another good friend, Brian, went to Africa, uh, and they helped start the, the first dementia memory cafe in all of South Africa. Wow. How cool is that? How crazy is that? How many lives are going to be touched because of that? Um, but it's to show... I mean, the whole purpose, again, of this website, it could be if you have a blog, send me the blog. The other, But the other really cool part I'm hoping for is that I'm creating a mentoring page so that for someone who's been diagnosed, who always wanted to learn how to be a you know, photographer or gardening or even cooking, you know, my hope is to be able to connect them with somebody who can mentor them I love it. on that particular uh, hobby. Yeah. or topic, whatever it is, you know, just, just make the connection. And then the two of them can go from there and see where it develops. But again, because social engagement is so important, um, I learned just in the last year that I love to paint. So I've been doing watercolor paintings for the last year. Um, I always hand them on as gifts to people. It started off doing one for my grandchild, my granddaughter. Uh, she loved it. It was her eighth birthday. Okay. My daughter told me she loves giraffes. I could always draw, but painting always intimidated the heck out of me. But I said, the heck, what? I'm going to paint one for her. And it came out pretty cool. 
Well, what I learned was that you can't paint something from one brainchild without painting some or all the other ones. So that's how the whole thing started. And before you know, and then I would post them on Facebook. And I started getting requests from people. Can you paint my cat? Can you paint my dog? Can you paint so it literally I've been painting things for and I love doing it for for a couple of reasons. Um, one is I, I do get a lot of agitation and anxiety. Um especially in the afternoon for some reason, or early evening. And it helps calm me down. It helps mm -hmm. relax me. But I look at it as a form of social engagement. Uh -huh. Even though I'm by myself working on it, and there's times where I'm working on a painting, and the thing with this disease is you, there's times where you just lose all track of time. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't even know what happened in the morning or what happened in, an hour ago. But the cool part about this is that that happens, but I can look at a painting and, and see that I did something. So I may not remember how long ago I started it or how long I've been working on it, but I, I know I did something. Yeah. But just being able to give that a person that, you know, a gift, you know, for me to say, this is here's something for you, that excites me. It's awesome. But the biggest thing I'm excited about is, is, is technology. Okay. And, and where technology is what I believe is starting to do and go towards in the way of helping people living with dementia um, and hopefully having a little a little part in, you know, being involved in that. Yeah. Yeah, where do you see technology playing a role in terms of, like, improving quality of care? You know, where do you see yeah. that go? I personally, my personal goal for me is is in the home. Okay. I, um, I see it being with uh being involved with smart home technology okay and the whole goal or the whole purpose of that is is to have the person living with dementia maintain their independence mm -hmm. and stay in their home for as long as possible mm -hmm. um, at some point not everybody but at some point the majority of people sadly have to transition to some type of um long term yep Community. Community. Um, and that's inevitable. But what if you could delay that by six months or a year or even longer? Mm -hmm. And and you're giving that person, I mean, everybody, it's home. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Where are you going to be the most comfortable? You know, where are you going to be the most, have your most sense of calm is, is where you live. Mm -hmm. So I really see smart home technology and in a number of different ways of being utilized that can be that can help do that mm -hmm. um, and I got these really weird crazy ideas but we'll save those we don't we'll want to save give those out I won't give those out yeah, exactly. No steroids. exactly but I really really see that as 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 being a major tool um, for that purpose yeah yeah, and I mean, not even talking about the financial savings. I mean, the longer someone has to stay out of um, a memory community, I mean, because they they're crazy expensive, you know. So that I get, and that's really is what's given me more purpose now than ever before. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And mm -hmm. you know, I've I've visited dozens, if not hundreds, of you know communities catering to those living with dementia and. 
you know, I would love for you to share any thoughts you would have on, you know, these communities that are providing this level of care. Like, what should they be thinking about? What should they be investing in um, to provide that person-centered approach and, and really go above and beyond to make sure those people are comfortable? That's awesome. Um, I'll start off with yeah. with this. And, and shame on me for not having done it yet. But my goal or what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a video of myself of who I am today right now. And it's not going to be a life story kind of a thing. It's going to be, my name's Mike. Here's who I am. Basically, I want people to, to get to know me, my personality, my quirks, my likes, my dislikes, things that you can do to motivate me, things you can do to redirect me if I'm having a moment. And the reason I want to do that is because wherever I do end up going, it's going to be mandatory for every single person who I come in contact with, from the director of, of wherever that is to the janitor of wherever it is, they have to watch that video. Because I want them to know who I am. Because at some point during this process, you know, sadly, you, have, you do lose the ability to communicate. But I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm learning to adapt myself to this disease every single day. I really don't believe that stops further down the line. Yeah. I, I think even, I mean, to the point where if I can't verbally communicate with you, I may still be trying to communicate with you. So I jokingly tell people, you know, if I'm being, if I'm agitated or, or whatever, if something happens down the line, it's that, that person's job who's taking care of me to put their inspector gadget hat on and figure out what's bothering Mike sure. and not have to rely on, you know, giving me something to either pacify me, to shut me up or give me a medication to shut me up or God forbid, put me in restraints. Um, there are so many ways and that are being looked at right now that are proven effective ways to help people. And it could be something as silly as, I didn't want the window open. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but it's, it's really for the person who's caring for us to look at us as a person. Give us the same dignity and respect that you would anybody else. Love it. And just, you know, I may not be able to talk to you or communicate the way I would before, but get to know me, and and you'll learn hopefully whatever it is that's bothering me that you know that um, you can help. You know, help me because that's what I'm there for. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not there for you to help me, but I mean. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but... No, no, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. I think if, you know, I'll just carry a picture of Cheryl in my pocket for you whenever... You yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Absolutely. Um, is there any stigmas you've seen in society where, you know, you would like to, you know, some, some person that hasn't ever talked to someone or became friends with someone living with dementia, like anything you would want to share with them? Yes, and... Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned that website earlier, 
And one of my goals with that website is to actually help try to reduce some of the stigmas that people have about dementia. And there's so many of them. Um, and I include myself in that because when we first got told, you know, Cheryl and I kind of looked at each other and said, that's an old person's disease. And that only happens to older people. Um, and obviously nothing can be further from the truth. When I went to that first support group meeting, uh, two friends in there, who one of them sadly has already passed away, were in their 40s with teenagers. Um, so, number one, this disease has nothing to do with age. Nothing to do with age. Yes, a majority of the people, the, the older you get, you know, maybe after the age of 75 or 80, your chances increase of, of developing it. But age is not a, to my knowledge, not a primary factor. And, and second, and, and one of the things that frustrates me is when people hear that I have dementia, you know, their first thing is, i try to explain this right, <laughs> is, oh, well, we got to be careful of what we say or do or, you know, he, you know, we can't really, they, they, you don't get involved in anything. You're not even, it's sadly, some people aren't even part of the conversation. I, I know friends that, that are, been in the room and even in a doctor's office and the doctor is talking to the spouse directly looking at the spouse talking about the individual with dementia not even looking at them wow. we're in the same damn room for crying out loud you know look at me you know i'm still here and i'm still capable and i'm still able to contribute and try to focus on what i can still do and not what i can't do anymore because I'm not thinking about those things anymore, so why should you? So, I mean, my number one thing I get from everybody, and this just happened again the other day, is, hey, Mike, oh, we've been having this great conversation. I would have never thought, you don't look like you have dementia. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, you know, for a while that bothered me the heck out of me, but it was, I tell them now, well, thanks for the compliment. You know, I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I tell them, what is dementia supposed to look like? Right. Because sadly, and that's where stigma comes in. Mm -hmm. Because right now, the majority of what people see, and it's all on TV, is the and you know, parts of the progression of the disease. Mm -hmm. That's what they see in movies, for the most part. That's what they see in advertisement. Um, and for whatever, I, I, sadly, the bottom, the bottom line is people or organizations out there that are trying to raise money, you know, generally for all the right reasons, but that's what sells, yeah. right? The negativity part, of it, the sad part of it is what sells. Right. There isn't enough focus being put on the people who are still living with this disease about how we can still live a meaningful, purposeful life. Yeah. So we need more emphasis and focus put on that. That may not raise dollars, you know, but you're still helping people live the best life they can for however long that's going to be. Yeah. And I mean, and, and that's another part of the stigma. Um, and this sadly came from a doctor, not 
the doctors we have now at, at Mass General, but he he looked at Cheryl and said, he'll be in a nursing home in three to five years. Mm. Well, wow. this month makes six years I was diagnosed. Let's go. So I knew, <laughs> you know, but, but besides that, but what it made me, what it made me learn is that, I mean, they're still learning about this themselves, but they don't know. They don't know. And sadly, again, I've, I've lost some very dear good friends, um, who only had this disease for three to five years. But I also know of people who have cared for loved ones for 20 years. So the bottom line is, just like anybody else walking the street, you don't know what could happen to you tomorrow. It's true. I don't know how long this is going to last. You know, I mentioned earlier I have a voice. I want to use it. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm just going to keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. The same way I struggle with certain things during the day and I can't do it. I may have to stop, take a break, maybe pick it up to, even sometimes the following day, but I'm going to keep trying. Mm. So, I mean, stigma is huge. You know, stop thinking about when you hear someone that has dementia, stop thinking about what ultimately is going to happen to them mm. and and start thinking about treating them as if they were the same person they were before they got to diagnosis. Sadly, a lot of people, including myself, friends just disappear. Mm. I wish I knew all the reasons why, but I honestly believe that there are not, some of it might be fear. You know, some of it might be, we don't know how to talk to you or how to, or, or this or this or that. Um, and when I mention fear, they might look at me and go, holy cat, he's only 52. That could happen to me too. Yeah. You know, but, um, but that's okay because I mean, I've got friends now that, you know, that I've met through this journey that I'm closer to than a lot of people I've ever been closest to in my whole life. So. And if you had a billboard anywhere in the country, what would you put on this billboard? I love it. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to be my favorite, one of my favorite quotes. I have two of them. Okay. But one of my favorite quotes. Um it's from uh, what I learned after those five or six months and after getting involved you know, with the Alzheimer's Association and especially after getting involved with DAA. One of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption. One of mine too. Love that movie. Love Morgan Freeman, Tim Timothy Robbins. And Morgan Freeman repeats a line, I think that Timothy Robbins says in the movie, he says, get busy living or get busy dying. And it's going to be in my next tattoo. I'm going to have a tattoo there. It's going to see it. And it says something to that effect or, or all of it. Um, I, I think it would be, I might have dementia, but you can get busy. Um, I've chosen to get busy living and not get busy dying. Love it. And my second quote is by another person who I just admire is uh, Jackie Robinson. And this one I memorized for sure. Um, pretty sure I did. But it says, he says, a life is not important except for the impact it has on other lives. Oh. So, no, stop thinking about you. Start thinking about other people. And I think if more people did that, 
hopefully there'll be a lot less turmoil and stress and a lot other people who need the help would get the help. So, but yeah, I think I'm glad you asked that question because I never thought about it before, but I like that. If I had dementia, I've chosen to get busy living, not get busy dying. Awesome. We'll keep our eye on you too to make sure you don't break out of any jails or anything too. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Like they're pretty you know, to put some kind of device on me. I don't know. <laughs> the home devices. The home devices, yeah. exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Well, we want to thank you for your time today. Again, my name is Matt here with my friend Mike Belleville, who's truly changing the perception of living and thriving with dementia. And wanna thank you so much for your time here today. And um, you know, we'll see you next time. If you'd like to know when we post the next episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're interested in how Eversound can help improve the quality of life in your community, find out more at eversoundhq.com.